Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 41. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I'm here, as usual, with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, we are back from RSA. It's Monday, February 20th. It's great to be back. It is. God bless us for making it uh, back alive and uh, getting there to RSA in the midst of a, a snow storm, snow event yes. in the greater Boston area, New England area, I guess, for, for working the show uh, Monday through Friday and getting back to our home state in one piece. Ahead of the weather event in California. As well. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, there was a lot of rain. Uh, I, I mean, I guess we left as it was, you know, another sort of uh, downpour was happening, which is, man, I know they needed the rain, but that was crazy. Um, but yeah, so RSA 2017 in the books, I guess before we get to sort of specifics, I wanted to ask you, Peter, and we talked about this earlier today in our staff meeting, and we talked about it over dinner at the show. But what do you feel like was the, for you, were the big takeaways, the big pictures from this year's show? I, I think that there, we're in a time of, of extreme change. It seems like a lot of people are convinced of that. And yes. it also seems to me that a lot of people don't know what's coming next. Let's see. The big things I would say were... For, for me, ransomware was, you know, everybody talked about ransomware. Everybody yeah. talked about IoT mm-hmm. um, a lot. Uh, people talked about, one thing I heard a fair number of times is people saying, don't believe all these snake oil salesmen on the flo- on the show floor that are telling you that buy your, their product and it'll solve all your problems. Because yep. it won't. And that seemed a little odd for coming from people who were exhibiting on the floor as right. well. 400 plus exhibitors at that show and, and a lot of people sort of hyping and promoting their, their wares and with good reason. I mean, that's look, we're, we're, these are businesses. They're not as much as we want to believe that security is an altruistic uh, profession. It's, I mean, people got to make money, but yeah. One significant uh Thing to me, it's it did not seem that people were talking about the government as much as they were last year. Oh, in terms of encryption and anything. or anything, yeah. Yeah, I mean there there was. Yeah, a, I guess that's true. I think it has to do with the flux and and a lot of uncertainty. So, what what, what comes with uncertainty? FUD, fear, uh, uncertainty, and. In doubt, right? I get opportunity too. Or opportunity. Okay, yeah. I guess you're thinking more positively, whereas I am uh, prone to think negatively, being in the curmudgeon that I. <laughs> <laughs> That's assuming that opportunity. Well, I, there's opportunity for everyone, which means for the good guys and the bad guys. True, that is true. Yeah. And so, so don't don't put me on the optimistic side so much. Yeah. Okay, but I won't, because I know you were a little pessimistic as well about about you know, sort of your experiences. I mean, I'll say this overall, it's the biggest, obviously the biggest cybersecurity, information security conference that we, we have. And I think they said that there was 40, definitely 40,000 plus, with 40, 42 or 43,000 people. There was a lot of people there. And, you know, half the convention center was shut down or, or not shut down, but it, undergoing major renovations. It was hard to kind of navigate your way around. They had to expand a lot of the show to the adjacent hotels like the Marriott, um, the St. Regis, and other other locations as well. Uh, 
I have to say, I, I think overall in talking with you and in talking with our senior reporter, Michael Heller, I feel like we, we got a lot of, we got a lot of good meetings. We had a lot of good interviews. We had a lot of good conversations with some very uh, informed, uh, very, very knowledgeable people. Uh, and I think that was, that was great. That was a huge plus. Now on the downside, on the downside, I, I think this year's show seemed like it was lacking a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a theme, or not a theme, but, but maybe a more explicit sort of a, a call, to, call to action, an, an, an action item, a, a things that we should be doing. Like you said, what, what was the big theme last year? The big theme last year was for the government. It was going dark, encryption. We need right. to, we need to, we need to think critically about encryption technology. But we also need to, I mean, protect it from from sort of the 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 potential meddlers in the government and law enforcement, so on and so forth. Uh, this year, it felt like there was a lot of talk about, you know, government insecurity and nation state attacks. That was a big theme throughout the show. There were there were several keynotes. General Keith Alexander on Monday, Microsoft's Chief Legal Officer Brad Smith on Tuesday morning, uh, and then again with uh, Representative Michael McCall, a congressman from Texas, chair of the House uh, Homeland Security Committee, that talked about the threat of nation state attacks and why why what what are we going to do about it. So I feel like a lot there were a lot of questions about that being brought up, but not a lot of answers. I agree. I I heard people talking about ransomware, warning that ransomware is going to get taken up by the APTs, and that it's it's going to become part of a an overall strategy where you go into a network, pillage it for everything that you can get from it, exfiltrate all the data you want or need, uh, compromise all the whatever it is that you're going to do, yep. and as and on your way out before you shut the door throw in some ransomware and encrypt everything <laughs> for, good and get some, for good measure to maximize the profit. Um, I heard a lot, so th so there was a fair amount of, of that kind of, th like, watch out, the APTs and the nation states are yeah. gonna, and the big actors are going to start going after you with these things like IoT and ransomware. Also, it seemed like there was a lot of descriptive presentations. Mm. I It felt like... And, and I and I, I waited more heavily this year on meetings with individuals rather mm -hmm. than the, going to the presentations. But the ones that I did go to, some of them were very f were f very interesting, fascinating even. Um, but they they were descriptive. So so uh, for example, there was um, Jeremiah Grossman mm -hmm. from Sentinel One. Yeah. Sentinel One gave this very very interesting talk about. Uh, ransom, how ransomware and kidnapping and ransom payments, like physical, physical. Yeah. Yes, he, he he traced down the history from the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Mm. Uh, talked about how insurance companies deal with it. So there was a, there was a, he gave a very good description of the state of the art of live human kidnapping and ransom payment and how insurance companies deal with that. He talked a little bit about he, he talked a fair amount about the Somalian. You know the whole oh, of right. Africa yep. kidnapping. Yeah, uh, there's a operations. whole economy. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very, um, it's I, I don't want to say very interesting one more time, but it's fascinating to to hear how these things go. 
but there wasn't so much in that talk that you could walk away from the talk and start taking an action. Right, you like, were saying, like here's the solution, this is what we're gonna do about it. Right, yeah. although he did say that, um, by the way, he did, he did sort of gave the indication that insurance companies, once they start getting involved in this, in this uh, area, um, as they do with real kidnapping, with human, with life, uh, I don't know how we can differentiate that, but with right. kidnappings and yep. ransom payments, but um, that they come up with, because there's so much money on the line for them, they right. come up with best practices. So it may be a very good thing for the insurance company to get involved in in, in cyber ransom, because they'll come up and tell us this is how these are the procedures. Right. Hopefully they'll tell everybody and not just their clients. I, but yeah, I think this is the way that we're going. I mean, not to, to spend too much time on the topic, but I, I do think he, that's a relevant point to see sort of how the industry, how the world has reacted to those physical kidnappings and the money that's, that's generated through that and, and how to sort of address the threat and manage it and, and what we're doing with actual like ransomware. Uh, and I, I do think, yeah, I mean, obviously there are a lot of best practices out there for dealing with ransomware, but there's no sort of magic bullet. There's no sort of solution right now. And same with IoT security. I mean, there's, there was a lot of talk about, one of the best sessions at the show, I thought, was, was just a solo talk from, from Bruce Schneier, who talked about, hey, I, I think we need to start a new agency that regulates this sort of thing, the IoT devices, because there's no incentive for manufacturers to do it. There's no incentive for users to, to address this because it has very little impact on their devices, but it could have devastating impacts, uh, in, impacts on the internet infrastructure, on internet providers, on service providers, on the government, who knows? And I thought that was a, 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 a fascinating, to use your word, fascinating talk <laughs> and but again there's no there's no we're not at the point where we can say well I mean Schneier would not be advocating the creation of a new government agency to regulate this sort of thing if there was a quick and easy and sort of uh, tried and true solution to addressing these issues you can tell manufacturers all you want that they need to change the default passwords and he, but even if they do, even if they start forcing users to come up with original passwords, you don't know that those passwords are going to be very good. They can still be brute forced, or uh, they could have flaws in their architecture in, in the actual firmware. Who knows that allow? I mean, we've seen this. Akamai did a report on, you know, open SSH issues that just allowed uh, threat actors to come in and, and, and co-opt a, a device. We don't even really need the password. So there's ways around those, you know, there are ways around a new password for some of these devices. They just weren't built to be protected because they weren't built to be to be seen as valuable. That something that something that needed to be protected, and short of like you said, throwing throwing these devices away and buying new ones that do have that protection, there's not much of a solution. So, not to say I was depressed by this year's RSA, <laughs> but it's but it's like. You know, ransomware is getting more sophisticated. Ransomware is getting more serious. This is why. This is how it's happening. IoT attacks are becoming commonplace. D more powerful DDoS attacks. This, that, and the other thing. And and there are there are companies out there, and I, I spoke to a couple of them that are talking about how to mitigate the DDoS attack. But there, there's no, there's there was no real substantive 
details about how we're like like the answers to these problems. You know, there's addressing the symptoms, but how do we attack IoT insecurity at its root? How do we fix government insecurity? You know, there was a lot of talk in those in those keynotes. I think um, you know about working together, and we need public-private partnerships, or we need the government to do an exhaustive overhaul of cybersecurity. That's great. Those are very general approaches. They don't. They're they're not going to fix the problem. So, so I found the show to be lacking in terms of, you know, somebody coming forward and saying, we should do X, and here's how we're going to do it, and this is what we're going to achieve by doing it. So, in that regard, it was, it it was. I don't want to say depressing, and I don't want to say um, I I came away from that show with sort of a negative. opinion or negative sort of reaction to it all but it did feel like it's just more questions more serious questions increasingly serious questions and and fewer answers about what to do well as we're talking it it occurs to me that the panel that uh, Bruce Schneier participated in um, that's right you did two talks yes so he he did a solo talk and then he did you went to the panel that's right panel and um, same same issue IOT Regulation is it? Yeah, right. And unfortunately, I'm I'm blank. I'll uh, look it up for you. But continue with your thoughts on the names. But the um, the two two other gentlemen who well the moderator and the other gentleman who's on the panel on that panel with Bruce Schneier um, from uh, the the moderator is um, Craig uh, Spiesel, mm-hmm. I believe is his name from the OTA mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, the, the, the gentleman from the Internet Society is uh, Kolkman. Well, if my computer <laughs> would unfreeze, we, we could we could we could check out your story and look it up. Well, um, but what was interesting to me was that at the beginning of the talk, uh, Craig, the moderator, mm-hmm. uh, asked the asked the audience, "Who here believes that we should have government regulation of IO, of IoT?" And people raised their hands, and after he rose, after they raised their hands, they decided that it was a majority. It was a it was ninety percent of the audience. They said, wow. "I'm not sure I would agree ninety percent, but it was it, it was, was a majority. It was the majority. It yeah. was definitely the majority. Interesting. Believe that it should be regulated by the government. What was interesting is that uh, Craig Spiesel and Hans Kolkman uh, both come from. The side of view, point of view that says that it should be self-regulated because the government doesn't really have the expertise. They're not, you know, they're not in the in down in there, and anything that they do is going to be become a sort of a, a low, a, a high. It's going to take the compliance factor and make it uh, make companies aim for compliance rather than actual security. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and and they did make some really good points and and uh, I'll, I, I expect to be working on a piece about that uh, coming up in the next uh, time period. Yeah. And uh, uh, but but they they did talk about how that would work and they did talk about some of the, some of the ways that it could be done, which was which is actually a first for me because up to now everybody says, oh, well, IoT, yeah, those things you just got to break them or throw them away or yeah. you know upgrade them. But they had some some very concrete examples of ways that they can be made 
uh, more secure. Well, that's good. Without having to throw them away. While at the same time, they also talked a, a fair amount about social responsibility and how people should need to understand that if they're the it was an interesting example that they used. If their refrigerator goes bad and their meat spoils, they have to throw the meat out. But if their refrigerator goes bad and it hacks your neighbor's refrigerator and, and their meat mm -hmm. goes bad, spoils, and they and somebody dies of food poisoning, that takes it from IT security issues to actual safety right. issues, which um, is, a, is a sobering thought. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that Schneier talked a lot about in his solo talk on 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 this subject. And one of the things that he was sort of quick to point out was, you know, if if we want to start being proactive about this on our own, sort of outside of the government, we should just take a hard look at, um, you know, this fascination we have with connectivity and whether it's really worth it. And, you know, do we need all of these devices? And is it time to start deconnect? Or he didn't say deconnecting. I'm saying deconnecting. You know, taking them off the internet, uh, and how much would that actually hurt? You know, w would it would it hurt these devices? Probably not. Um, and then also, sort of talking about the the developers' obligations. So he he made a really fascinating point, and I don't think it made it into the write up of this article because it started to go down a road that I thought was, man, had a lot of had a lot of thorns, had a lot of, <laughs> had a lot of tangents, but he basically said, you know, software developers have been able to do what they, what they do without any sort of code of conduct. You, you, you make whatever you want because it, it doesn't affect other people. Microsoft, the way that, or, or I think he used the example of Facebook, the way Facebook develops its stuff does not affect other companies. So if they want to, develop software that's shoddy or I'm not saying they do it's shoddy that's insecure or the whatever it doesn't matter to Microsoft or Google but when you when you develop insecure software and it leads or or software that that connects all of these devices we, we build this big ecosystem and it's not secure that does matter and he said maybe it's time for that sort of complete freedom unfettered freedom of software developers to go away which i was i was shocked that he you know said something like that 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 he would advocate something like that happening i'm not ready to go there but it does bring up an interesting point about well do you i mean you can't bit like we talk about all all the time how many times have we talked about this like you can't make a car unless you're certified you cannot make you can't build buildings unless you pass a test and you're and you're authorized you're you are um you abide by a code and you're you're licensed software there, there's nothing stopping people from developing software that can wreak havoc on on the public internet the, on public utilities on on dns providers what have you real serious stuff and is it time that we start to do that and do we need a, a, a self-regulating sort of society within technology that does that because and schneider's point was great it's like if we don't do that then the government's going to do it for us. And if we don't participate in the government effort, then it's going to be really bad and we're going to have all sorts of problems, which he's absolutely right because, you know, for every Mike McCall or uh, other, other, you know, people within, the, within Congress that actually do know about uh, technology and have, maybe have a computer science degree, 
there are a dozen or dozens of others that have no idea and that just think that you can, you know, literally turn off the internet. Like you, you can just like, well, let's just turn off the internet. Let's solve that um, problem. So yeah, I definitely think there's, there's, there's starting maybe, maybe a little bit of attraction on taking a serious look at finding answers for the IOT security problem. I guess the bigger one I'm worried about is, is, is government is, yeah, I don't know what's going to be done there. How long have we been tracking sort of the, the, you know, the cybersecurity order that we've been expecting? Oh yeah. A while. The executive order, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you heard much chatter about like just sort of the general, you know, security strategy or posture or condition of the federal government. But it, I mean, that was a reoccurring theme and a reoccurring concern in, in interviews and, I just don't know what you do about it. I don't know what you do. I mean, I wish I had answers. I wish someone had answers. Well, along those lines, uh, at the end of the panel, Bruce Schneier came out and said, basically, the question of whether or not the government's going to regulate the IoT. Yeah. That that's that that that's uh, over. That's good. It's gonna. It's yeah, happening. The, the, uh, that ship has sailed. I think. <laughs> he 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 said. At this point, our choice is whether we're going to do it in a smart way or in a stupid way. And that's not an exact quote, but he did say stupid in there. And um, yeah, so so that's the that's the next question for IoT anyway. And I think I think that's, you know, it's. But I mean, but but should the government should we be entrusting that to the government when they can't even, for example, secure, you know, vulnerable Pentagon servers? You know, should we be doing that when they can't even figure out how to handle OPM? I guess, I guess that's one thing that is, and I, I don't remember which talk it was It was in. It might have been in, um, maybe it was Mike McCall's uh, talk, but he was talking about OPM, and he's like, OPM got hacked. Why did it get hacked? Well, it's a small agency. They, they, they keep records. They're not cybersecurity experts. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Again, I don't, don't have the video in front of me. Um, but and it, it was a good point. You know, he, he basically discussed how uh, there needs to be, you, you can't just leave these agencies and these departments, some of which are, are don't have the funding of a DOD or a Pentagon, off on islands to sort of defend themselves. We need a, sort of a, 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 a tent a blanket sort of defense posture for the entire federal government. And it's a good idea, but then you look at the situation in the federal government, we don't have a CISO. Federal CISO's gone. We don't, we don't have a White House CISO apparently either. We're not really sure what the state of the federal government is. We don't know, you know, in terms of cybersecurity. There's a lot going on, obviously, under the Trump administration, but we keep expecting sort of a, a more forceful um, direct action executive order that hasn't come. Plus, there's the hiring freeze, and there's the hiring freeze. So, yeah. it's it seems like a dire situation, and it was weird because in one in, in I guess the at the the cloud security summit on Monday at RSA, uh, General Keith Alexander talked about, and this didn't make it into the um, the story I did on that on that talk either. Uh, but he, he kind of ended it and he said, well, you know, I've talked with the, the current administration and I think, I think he, you know, and to paraphrase again, 
he's gonna he takes this problem seriously. He wants to learn. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to get it right. I think he's gonna be good for for this. Great, great. But we need something. Like we need something now, because of all the talk about the you know the the Russian hackers and the APT groups and 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 all the nation state threats that are coming for us that have come for us and, and succeeded and the ones that are gonna continue to come for us. I'm a little nervous. Like I, I want some I want some action. I want something done. I want answers. And not just sort of, you know, broad strokes of a of a strategy or, or a philosophy. So any I guess any last words about interesting sessions or interviews? You you did a couple of, of interviews. I don't know if you want to give anyone in particular a shout out. Most of, most of the interviews went really well. Yeah, um, we're not going to mention the bad interviews. No, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, Daryl Highland from uh, Rapid Seven. Oh, that's right. Yep. I had a I had a real nice conversation with him about IoT and mm -hmm. and some of the options for for fixing it. And uh, it, it's always good to talk to some of these guys who are who are specializing in it. Yeah. and who are just doing the work and they're not necessarily standing up in, in front of the audiences, all the, not at least all the time, but right. um, but who have something, you know, who have concrete hands on. I mean, that was one of the things that Daryl uh, seems to, like that's his thing, is yeah. like playing with gadgets. Sure. And and fiddling around and putting wires, on, extra wires so he can access and look at the console that and the like light bulb. Great job. Well, yeah. as long as they don't get electrocuted, but yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I get the feeling that he would be doing that as a hobby, right? Even if he weren't doing it as his, as his business, but yeah. Um, yeah. So how about you? Who who was? Did you have a? a I had a lot of really good interviews. Like I said, I, I think probably one of the more informative ones, that I, 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 one of the more enjoyable ones too, and they were all really good. I think was uh, uh, Rick Howard from Palo Alto talking about Palo Alto's involvement in the Cyber Threat Alliance, which, which just became public, um, I guess last month, they, they announced it ahead of, of RSA, but more details kind of came out about the, um, the alliance at RSA. And then, and then just sort of the, the general outlook at Palo Alto about like sharing security data, sharing threat intelligence, what is threat intelligence, how to make it actionable, how to make it useful, how to make it relevant and how do we how do you build sort of a a system that can that can share it and, and other people can use it and and you know whether it's small and medium businesses or like-minded enterprises in a particular industry i thought that was a great conversation and i i i would be i i should note one sort of final thing about rsa i was at that panel about uh medjack the probably one of the more interesting uh uh, presentations that I've been to in the security field. There was a, a, a folks from TrapX, a cybersecurity vendor that delivered some uh, new research on the latest version of the MedJack attack that they discovered, uh, I guess it was a year and a half ago, about how to get into connected medical devices, internet connected uh, x-ray viewers and CAT scanners and, and so on and so forth, everything, an oxygen regulator or a um, uh, a, a really any sort of device that may be connected to a Windows 
uh, internet-connected environment. And they, so they presented new information about how this attack has been, uh, how it's evolved and how the new incarnation uses obfuscation techniques and it's very tricky and it looks specifically for old outdated stuff and it sort of lies inert when it finds newer software, newer OSs that may be patched. But the real interesting part of this conversation came up at the end during the Q&A where the TrapX researchers said, this basically affects every medical device. If it, you know, it's bad, the, the manufacturers need to do something. Well, one of them, <laughs> a representative from one of the manufacturers, Philips uh, um, Healthcare, got up and said, well, you know, he took issue with some of the presentation in, and uh, an argument ensued between the researchers and the, and, and the gentleman from Philips about who's really responsible for this stuff. And, and the, the Philips gentleman said, well, we abide by the FDA guidance for these connected devices, and we tell the customers not to, you know, keep rolling, keep using these systems when they're they're clearly outdated. And, you know, the the TrapX guy said, hey, that's great, but you, you know, what are you doing to sort of give them a, a a path out of these these you know vulnerable systems, and what what are you doing to help them? Uh, because kids just saying, oh, you shouldn't use that. You know, it's it's not working because they're still using Windows XP environments, and they're they're making all of their their devices and their networks. That's the thing that you pointed out that you know it's not about getting into an X-ray machine and you know trying to take someone's life with it. Or I guess an X-ray X-ray machine is a bad a bad example, but like an oxygen regulator and causing it to blow up, blow up a hospital. That's not what they're doing. They're using the medical devices to move laterally as an entry point, move laterally throughout the network to get the healthcare data. Hmm. And uh, that's a problem. And so he put it on the, you know, the TrapX guys put it on the manufacturers and said, you you know, who cares what the FDA guy and says, you've got to resolve this and you've got to make your stuff better. And the you know, the Phillips guy saying, well, that's unfair, you're blaming us and it's, it's not all on us. And uh, interesting, interesting debate. A spirited, what did I call it on Twitter? Spirited debate? I think that's about what it, yeah. what it sounded like. So it was it was good, and I, I always enjoy a nice uh, debate, nice argument. So hopefully we'll get more of those in future RSAs and future shows. So, yeah. But, you know, no no actual fighting or, uh, or physical violence, just uh, spirited discussion. So That's good. Yeah. So uh, I guess that brings us to a close for the RSA 2017 recap. We will... We're going to have a lot of stories uh, coming out in the next uh, weeks, or the next week, weeks, months, I guess, as we put together a lot of this stuff from RSA. So look for that on Search Security. And uh, Peter, thank you for joining me. Thank you for braving RSA with me again. Sorry we didn't get to go to In-N-Out Burger together, but, you know, there's always next year. Always next year. <laughs> they have they have In-N-Out Burgers in Las Vegas, don't they? Oh, they do. We're, we'll do that during Black Hat. Okay. We'll make the trek down there. I mean, it will be 120 degrees in August, but, you know, <laughs> sacrifices will have to be made, Peter. It's a dry heat. It's a, Peter, it's 120 degree heat is what it is. <laughs> it's a stifling heat no matter how you, you slice it. So, anyway. Yeah, something we'll, to look forward to. Yeah, something to look forward to. And uh, thanks to everyone listening to this episode of the Risk and Repeat podcast. I'm Rob Wright with Search Security, and we will see you next time.